Welcome to the You Can Have It All podcast to create a successful business and a thriving family. I am your host, Mona Tavastili from Mompreneurs Worldwide. Hello and welcome back to the You Can Have It All podcast. Today we are going to talk about one of the most important topics of our lifetime how to tackle climate change. We can't really ignore the importance of taking care of Mother Earth. And our guest today is a conservationist, passionate about ecology, sustainable development, and social justice. Today, I have a pleasure of interviewing Daniela Pogliani, another amazing leader from the Vital Voices family for our Women on a Mission series. Daniela began her career in Europe as a financial analyst, but later moved to Latin America and discovered the magic of the Amazon and the Andean Mountains. She's now devoted to protecting tropical forests and the lives of the people who call it home. She believes everyone deserves to live in a fairer and greener world. What a mission. Daniela holds dear to her heart the power of women leadership and she is a Vital Voices Fellow for Women Leaders and a member of VV100, a select group of hundreds of the most engaged and visionary members of the Vital Voices Global Leadership Network. I met Daniela first time at the VVLIT program in South Africa in 2017, and I have been amazed by her extraordinary work since. Daniela's details are all on the show notes, and this is the last interview that was recorded on my trip to Mexico City in 2019, and I'm so happy to be able to share it with you. Our world has gone through a lot since the recording of this interview, which is proof of everything that Daniela talked about. The Australian wildfire, as an example, was a sign that we are not doing enough to take care of planet Earth. We really need to shift our belief, thinking that this world and all of its resources are only for us humans, abusing everything that is available. COVID-19 had lots of negative effects in our lives, but one positive thing was helping our environment and Mother Earth breathe a little. It also showed us that our planet knows exactly how to reverse the damage that's been done without our interference, only if we don't start the destruction again. So this interview is very close to my heart and I'm honored to share it with you all. Let's get started. Hi, Daniela. Thank you so much for being here. It's our last day in Mexico City. It's been an amazing experience so far. And I really appreciate your time because I know you're traveling tonight. So thank you. Thank you, Mona. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here and experiencing Mexico City together. And um, I'm very happy to share with you a little bit about me and who I am and, and what I do. I'm glad we managed to do this. We wanted to do it in India, but it was meant to be done in Mexico City. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, Daniel, tell us more about yourself and your background, please. So... Um, I like to think I have an interesting life story, mm -hmm. at least from um, the place I was born, which is a very, very traditional uh, middle-class Italian family. And I was uh, born and raised in a very traditional way. And um, when I was a young kid, I got really into nature. And my parents uh, taught me the beauty of forest and the, and the Alps. So when I was a teenager I started to feel this urge to get to know the world more uh, but travel was not th something that my family was uh, keen on so at the age of 17 I, I had my first travel and I remember I only went to London which is uh, an hour and a half away from Italy and my dad 
and my dad's best friends traveled with me and wanted to make sure that I was safe in a family where I was going to study English. So that was really funny. You know, you imagine it was those whole trips set up. Wow. So um, when I uh, finished university, I decided to move to London because I really loved the city. Um, and I ended up living there for quite, quite a while, about eight years. And in that time, I have always been very keen on books and literature, and I was uh, reading a lot of Latin American literature. So I decided that I wanted to try and experience Latin America on my skin. So I um, left everything, I had a good job, and uh, went backpacking in uh, South America. Nice. And then I returned and I continued with my life. And um, two years after, I felt this need and urge to try something new and different in my life. And as it has always happened to me, every time I send a desire, uh, the universe always replies back. So um, I got to meet somebody that had a working operation in Peru. And at one point, he offered me a three-month consulting work. So I left everything, pack, um, one backpack, and left London. And now here I am. I've been living in Peru for 17 years. Wow. Um, while I was there, I met with now my husband. We fell in love. We set up a family. And I have the most incredible job I could have ever thought of because I've been forming admin and finance and I've always worked in the private sector and um, that dimension of being a natural nature lover and environmentalist it was like more on my private side uh, but in Peru I was able to connect the two my mm -hmm. professional side and my personal passion and so now I've been working for about almost 10 years in uh, protecting Amazonian forest and, and, and the Andes and working with communities and really trying to push forward this idea that development and um, environmental protection are not two separate concepts. We can really and should uh, look to the future of you know sustainable and responsible uh, businesses practice, uh, especially towards the environment and uh, mainly about the people. That's very interesting, Daniela. Tell me your why and why do you do what you do? I also want to know why is nature important? So wh where does that passion come from? Right. Okay. So for me, nature, it's about childhood joy and probably the best moment of my life and with my family. Um, I spent them um, while I was in the middle of a forest or in front of an ocean or skiing in, or, or hiking somewhere. So for me, it's like deep joy uh, coming from childhood. And my why is that nature is important for everyone. Um, even if you don't recognize it at first, but nature is what gives us the air we breathe, uh, you know, the water we drink, um, uh, regulates climate. And in the majority of the cases, nature is also an environment that gives us joy and pleasure when we go out um, for holiday or with our families. And I, I, and I think that not that many people realize that nature is incredible, but it's still very fragile mm. and uh, it's suffering a lot from the wrong way of 
doing things from from the human side. And now that you talked about that, why are forests relevant to human well-being? So nature is, is, is a very complex, interesting and fascinating um, environment. And, and I call it almost a society where everything is really nicely interconnected. But forests are really important because they produce hair and they really um, help or support the production of, of, of water and um, they regulate the climate and they are home to hundreds and thousands of species of animals and plants. So when we look at nature, uh, there's this deep interconnection between all species in which each species plays an important role um, and if that chain is broken somewhere or somehow, mm. uh, the effects can go a long way down the line. We've been hearing a lot recently about the importance of bees and mm, bees yeah. are disappearing. And you would say, well, why bees? You know, because bees are the main pollinators. So if you don't have bees, um, it will be more difficult to have crops, for example. Um, and crops is what we depend on. And so there are spaces in our life where technology can, you know, um, replace nature, but um, not in all of them. And most of the time, when you um, affect nature in an irreversible way, it's too late to actually mm. fix the problem. So we should be um, trying to identify the problems when we still have a chance to uh, look for a solution. Do we still have a chance? That's one question that I have. And then also tell me, what is climate change in general? Is it possible to reverse it? So I'm an optimist by nature. Mm -hmm. So I always think we, we, we have a chance and we can. But we are running out of time. And, um, you know, uh, nature is being badly affected. We all have seen, um, you know, plastic pollution as a huge problem. Uh, we all know that um, major cities around the world are running out of water um, and that in general terms, um, very, very strong natural climate events are happening everywhere. I was reading um, that London is experiencing the hottest summer and probably today, I think. It's, um, in, it's, it's a day in... July, which has been recorded as the hottest day that London has ever had in, in its recorded history. So you have to think that in natural environment cannot adapt so quickly and easily to temperature changes. So we'll, you will have animals and birds and insects that will will not know what to do. You know, they will either escape to colder um, climate or they will um, eventually probably die in, in, in the effort. And, and the human being, I mean, how are you going to cope with extreme weather in terms of extreme cold and extreme heat and uh, flood and droughts? So you have to think about climate change as something that we are already experiencing every day. And sometimes it's like, oh, you know, I get an extra layer or, you know, I go to the pool to, to refresh. But try and imagine if this won't be the exception, but it's going to become the norm. Mm. And how are we going to cope with it? 
Are we going to, you know, eventually live in a place where it's too hot or it's too cold or we don't have water or, you know, um, the hair is um, just not breathable. So um, I think we have to put ourselves into the future and, and, and act ourselves and ask our authority to act and to act quickly. These are the two dimensions of, of, uh, of what we can do as citizens. And how will it affect individuals' life? Something that I learned from you this week, which was very interesting, and I didn't know about, was the terminology of uh, environmental refugees and how it can actually you know, affect our life in some part of the world in the, in, to the point that you have to leave that place that you were calling home or you were living for so long. So tell me a little bit more about how can it affect individuals' lives. So again, there are two dimensions to the problem. So the countries or places that have already been identified as vulnerable, like you know the um, hundreds and thousands of islands in the Pacific Ocean, um, Micronesia, or simply cities and island that are bound to probably disappear um, below water or uh, places that will become um, not livable because they will be running out of water. So from a personal perspective, I think um, the most immediate way to see how climate change can be affecting us is imagine if you uh, wake up one morning and you open the tap and there's just no more water. What are you going to do? Um, you you're not gonna you know, it, it it's a complex situation that it's already happening. So, uh, Latin America has some uh, pretty serious climate events last year, and uh, um, for example, Peru capital um, was left without water for almost five days. Yeah. So that's already a reality. It's a, yeah. it's a city of ten million people mm. without water, and so then you have the. What normally happens is like if you have money and you're in a good situation, you go out and you buy water, even if it's expensive, and you bring it back in your car. Or you go somewhere else. You take a plane, you go somewhere else. But if you belong to, you know, the lower layers of population, what are you going to do? You don't have the money to afford to buy water. You can't go away. And um, so, again, and as always, crises always affect um, you know, pro people and people that are in need and people that lives in in precarious condition, and that's where the environmental refugees crisis will affect the most. We will see these great waves of people having to move without a choice because they won't have a home anymore or the home they they have it's not livable anymore, and you won't just be able to you know put up a wall. What are you going to do? I mean, people, I mean, the nature of human beings is like, is survival. So people will want to relocate and will have to relocate to other places. And, um, and so that's something that it's, um, uh, it's, it's going to happen. It started to happen and it's going uh, to become worse and worse. So again, that's something that we will need to act quickly. And, and, uh, and one of, the big hopes is like you have to take positive action to change behaviors. Um, government, 
on a personal level, you can start to save water, use less the car, recycle more, reduce the, the consumption of non-recyclable materials, for example. Yeah. Uh, being a lot more aware of um, every little action that you can take can add to something bigger. And on the other side, governments will have to seriously commit to change their production um, metrics and move towards, for example, renewable energy and um, producing less waste and focusing more. Um, one thing I can think of in like big cities like public transportation and so does does uh, does and, and protecting forests from a government perspective because. At the end of the day, forests are like this big reservoir of, you know, um, climate regulation and water and regulates rain and 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 um, and the quality of air. So government do play a critical role um, in, for example, um, setting up the industrial matrix to to reduce emission of of uh, CO uh, CO two. And how do organizations that you work with help to? Um, reserve the forests and in general help to with the climate change so organization like the work the one i work with um have different um way to interact with with forests and the people that live within the forest so one one step is um, try and make sure that we got enough protected areas mm -hmm. so that we can really preserve you know, patches of land that are critical. Um, and so we do that with the government. We do that by ensuring uh, people have, like, for example, property rights and, 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 their, and their condition is defined of the government as assigned natural parks with adequate management. Um, the second step is we work with the people that live within forests or around forests uh, to make sure they don't have to use the forest in a not sustainable way in order to make a living. So we work with them in identifying sustainable activity they can develop to still earn a living. Um, so we can be thinking about ecotourism, we can be thinking about sustainable um, use of forest products like uh, Brazil nuts or rubber or some fruits that can come up of forest so there are there are ways in which you can develop sustainable and, and successful business models so we help them identify the products uh, work on quality identify the markets the buyers and make sure they have enough strength in their organization to actually be a reliable supplier to the market and the third one um, is we work a lot on education um, so we work with um, local schools and local children, and uh, we really work on um, students, um, local students especially, uh, understand the value of technical knowledge in terms of forestry engineers and biology, and, and so they can, from a local perspective, um, from their you know, backyard environment, um, have some technical capacity, and they can be themselves, you know, the 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 take care of the future in terms of like it's my forest it's my region and i have the necessary knowledge to actually protect it in the future are these indigenous people that are still living in the forest uh both we we have indigenous people and in the andes as campesino community 
uh, peasant community. Uh, but there's, there's also been quite a lot of migration around, um, uh, you know, the Andean countries. So now several community are like mixed. So there are people coming from other places and they're mixing up. They're called colonos. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a mix. Interesting. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit, Daniela, and tell me about your personal life. You're a mother of two, as you mentioned, and you travel quite a lot for your work, and you're one of the most determined uh, people that I have seen when it comes to work. Like, you always deliver your A-game. So tell me, um, how do you find that balance and harmony, and how do you raise the next generation, your sons, to be uh, you know, conscious human beings when it comes to environment? So... Juggling between being a mother and wife and a, an executive director, it's it's not easy. So um, I think my my number one rule is that I try and use my time in a very very efficient way. So when I'm at work, for example, or when I'm, when I'm traveling, I'm like hundred percent dedicated to what I'm doing. Um, and when I'm out. I try to be completely detached and devote myself 100% to my family and my kids. Um, I um, had the bad habit of working um, at night, at weekends, on holiday. Um, so I've stopped that. Uh, that's part of Good my... For you. Yeah, it's part <laughs> of my, um, you know, being more mature from a, from a professional point of view. So, um, and I always try to be very present for for my for my family and for my kids for example i like to cook for them mm-hmm. this is something that relaxes me and is a way for me to express that i care for them and i like to do funny things with them i like to go traveling and i like to take them for example to the place where i work so they can see firsthand what the problems are what the people i work with and um, how beautiful and fragile these places are and mostly, I'd like them to understand, but because they are in a way privileged enough to be able to experience all of those things, they also have a sort of responsibility to, to take action. Mm-hmm. So for us, protecting the environment and caring about the environment is a way of life. So, you know, we, uh, we're very cautious about the use of water. We are mainly moving around in bicycles or, or public transport. Um, we recycle we talk a lot about the environment um so it, it's 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 a way of life and and i i remember once it, it was uh, i was really proud actually my son was probably six or five so we have been refusing plastic bags as far as i can remember probably more than 10 years and so they've been brought up seeing their parents say oh no bag thank you we got our own bag um in a country where we still use plastic bags in 2019. And so once we went to the supermarket and uh, we bought something. And I was like, I think talking on the phone. And so the ladies start packing everything in a bag because I was just doing something else. And my son raises up from the cashier uh-huh. and said, we don't want bags. Bags are really bad for the environment. We always use our own bags. So everybody was kind of looking at him. And, and the kid was like, what? They said, That's yes, cute. you know, my mom and dad always said to me that bags are really bad for the ocean and they kill turtles. And so... Uh, everyone was kind of laughing, but that's that's the kind of thing that you want to um, 
you set you, those values yeah right, you want to yeah. have you know for them it won't be just a oh i don't want one back once it's kind of more of a way of life and so that they can really become conscious and how important it is that's amazing that's incredible and um you know we always say that empowered mothers raise empowered leaders and it shows that like these are very mature so they will be very mature adults that they this will these values that are sitting from now it will stay with them for generations and all the time so that's that's amazing are there any specific programs or you know uh, games even that are designed to educate kids I, i will be really interested to know that yeah there are there are uh, a lot of you know opportunities out there i have to say uh, my kids have been raised in a zero technology environment until around the age of 10 and then like a very, very limited exposure until the age of 14. So that's a choice that we made of raising them without technology so they can experience life to the core. That's what we believe in. Um, but you can, you have lots of documentaries um, made also in cartoon forms. You have um, movies that talk a little bit about the climate, cli and the, the, the climate crisis. But I would encourage parents that want their kids to become more aware of the importance of nature and the environment to just take them out and make them experience nature and make them have these special family moments of you know, very joyful moments um, with them. So they, they will develop this, this inner feeling that nature gives them joy and nature is important and they'll get slowly, you know, adjusted to the idea of nature from a very positive perspective and then we can start introducing to them like slowly how you know we need to protect these beautiful places and we need to care for them um but i think if you start talking to kids about you know the bad things um it can um hit them a little bit but i think you can start um, my suggestion will be to start from like a very positive experience showing the beauty of, showing yeah. the beauty of a forest of the ocean of a, a mountain and and you know of, of a hill and then they will have just like beautiful moments inside of them and then when you start talking about how affected these places are and could you know could be um they have a more personal connection to it so they can relate more Definitely. And my older son, Ryan, he loves animals and he loves nature. And it's never too early to introduce them, let's say, to documentaries. He, the documentary Our Planet is his favorite. Oh. And I thought like this is this might be boring for him because it's not cartoon. It's like a proper documentary. And he loves it. He absolutely loves it. And it really makes him feel that he's responsible for the environment and towards animals. One thing I've noticed being a mother of a, of a teenager is that um, this generation, it, it's a lot more aware and it's a lot more so conscious too. of the role they will have and, and can have in, in like really making the world a better place. And we can see from a different variety of elements from like inclusion and gender and respect. Of course, it's not a general thing, but I see a generation that's been born and brought up in a multicultural interconnected world and you know with with the with technology they feel we are more united than divided so i think we can really work on that to to make sure that they're going to 
really, uh, you know, take the lead. We should be taking the lead, and we're trying to. But I think um, the, the 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 political and social environment is not quite as ready or committed. So I think for for us, there are a big hope. Definitely. What is your favorite motto, Daniela? I have uh, I have two. Uh, one is um, been um, with me since um, I was a teenager, which is live the life you love and love the life you live. Uh, which I know sounds a little bit cheesy, but for me, it's it's who I am. You know, I love what I do, and I couldn't be doing something that I don't love. And I. Um, and I live what I love, you know, I work my passion. So it's, uh, and the other one, um, and I always said, it's easier to f- uh, try and explain why you didn't do something um, rather than just doing it. So sometimes, you know, we, we, we go around trying to, and explain or justify even to ourselves why we didn't do something. And it's just so much easier to do it. <laughs> it's just... Definitely. Um, what are your daily routines, uh, Daniel, that help you to be on top of your game? So the, f- the most important thing for me is to um, sleep well. So sleeping for me is essential, is at least eight hours, I like good sleep, uh, eat well. So I don't drink, I don't smoke, I, I eat well and I try and eat well. Um, I practice yoga at least two to try three times a week, and I I like to be as active as I can. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'll go to the gym or I go for a run because sometimes I don't have time. But like just having an active routine, it's like taking the stairs instead of the elevator, and walking ev- or biking everywhere I can and avoiding the car. Um, and uh, in general terms, when I have free time, I like to read a lot. And I like to be with friends. I'm not like a big party person, but I like to be with you know my close friends and have good conversation and walks and eat together. And I also like to cook. So for me, it's like getting back to very simple pleasure uh, of like being outside and experience whatever the ocean, the mountains, with my family, um, including an active lifestyle. And, well, I would say most importantly for me it is sleep and eat well. And these are all ingredients of happiness, of having <laughs> a happy life. So <laughs> you mentioned them all. Uh, tell us one thing that others don't know about you. Right. Everyone is going to laugh about it. Um, so um, I have a secret hidden dreams, um, which is I like to open um, a wedding dress atelier. Oh, wow. So I'm... Um, passionate and fanatic about wedding dresses and, and wedding dress and designer and you know styles and runway shows so I don't miss one and I'm always up to the latest trends and uh, follow you know all the wedding dresses you know industry uh, it's something that gives me relaxes me and gives me a lot of pleasure um, I like to see the beauty of you know the dresses and, and all the emotion that goes with it um yeah, so <laughs> I definitely didn't know that about you. Nobody knows. But it's not a secret anymore. <laughs> I know. It's just like, you know, my closest friend and, and my family knows. Uh, it's now not, our audience knows it, so I it's know, not a secret. It's not something that um, I, I want to hide. It's just something that I wouldn't go around and tell people, you know, I spend at least half an hour a day watching, you know, videos of like the latest wedding dress runaway shows. <laughs> and we're all going to keep you accountable. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> if you want, if any of you want any advice of the latest trends in wedding dresses, they can, you come, can, to they you. can come to me. Which is my next question. How can people learn more about your activities and get in touch with you? So um, I have, um, you know, I have social media that I like to, um, to, to use. Um, some of them are more private, more family-oriented, but normally my Facebook is uh, to share opinions and articles, especially about climate change and, envir- and the environment. Um, I'm not super open to accept um, you know, friendship to people I don't know, but if, if people want to establish um, a relationship with me, they can write to my email and introduce themselves and let me know why you want to where they want to interact with me. Um, I'm always very active on LinkedIn. Uh, and, and, and what I, is your LinkedIn? So my uh, my LinkedIn is Daniela Pogliani. And my... Um, so you, you can contact me on LinkedIn. It's probably the best way. And explain briefly why you want to get in touch with me. What are your interests? What would you like to know? And so with that, I'm more prone to... And that uh, you listen to the postcard, for example. And then I'm more prone to open up a channel. And, and then we can, we can establish a relationship in which we can have maybe a Skype conversation. Or I can send you materials. Or allow you to, you know, to, to my shared... Um, social, especially Facebook, where I, I try to raise awareness on the environmental crisis and what we can do to to help. That's awesome. Daniela, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And um, in 20 minutes, we will start the third day of the VV100 with Vital Voices. Yesterday was quite emotional after visiting um the women's prison in Mexico and having a workshop for a couple of hours with inmates. So I want you to tell me a little bit about that as well and then we'll just uh, end this session. So absolutely grateful to Vital Voices. It's this big family that brought us together. Um, About the visit to the prison, I think the element that struck me the most was that we were just equal in that room. There were not people that were like inmates and like women that were free, you know, middle class, Iranian, Italian. Uh, No, we're just a bunch of women talking about family and and our family and kids are the engine behind everything we do and, and, and how much we love our kids and our family and how important they are for us. I could see women that could look past their mistakes and um, look to the future with hope and uh, could relate to us as women, as mother, as daughters, as friends. So I was really impacted by this great ability that human beings and women have to connect on a very personal level to other women. And I think that's a strength that we should nurture and cultivate um, in order to create more unity amongst women and and uh, take the lead on solving some of the world's most pressing problems. And it also showed me how we have so much in common as women as and mothers. Like the main thing that we're all talking about was about our families, our kids. And it was a, it was a great experience, very emotional for sure. And I will have another podcast sharing my experience um, about, about uh, our visit. Thank you so much, Daniela. I really appreciate it and uh, hope to see you soon again. Well, thank you all, and um, I hope we can be in touch. Hope you enjoyed this educational and inspirational talk. 
Change starts from each and every one of us. I invite you to pledge to help the environment by taking at least one action. Start by using less plastic, recycle, decrease waste, try more plant-based food, and any other simple action that you can take which collectively will make a huge difference. It is also important to educate our kids and raise them to be more environmentally conscious human beings. I believe in the power of collaboration and there are many extraordinary men, women and organizations who are actively helping our environment and animals. One great way you can help is to support their work. Check out all the details on the show notes and I'll talk to you soon in the next episode. Bye for now. 